Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome. My name is Caleb and we are so glad that you could join us wherever it is that you're tuning in from. Today we're continuing in our Sermon on the Mount series and we're looking at the scripture Matthew 5 verses 43 to 48 today. So if you'd like to open your Bible, open up your app and underline as we read along together today. Matthew 5:43. You have heard the law say, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, What reward is that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're only kind to your friends, how different are you from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here today, we have a significant piece of Scripture that we're going to be working through. It's based around the commandment in Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is arguably one of the most central pieces of scripture that that Jesus talks around. Here at the beginning of his ministry, he is telling us to love our neighbor. And, And when he is asked later on in his ministry, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus' response in Matthew 22 is to love the Lord your God with all your being. And second, and just alike it, is to love your neighbor. Today's passage, Jesus is helping us to understand the significance of this statement. Within the context of the Sermon on the Mount, I find it really interesting where today's passage has been placed. Just before the, the, this passage, we have uh, Jesus encouraging us to go the extra mile. And just after this, we have Jesus encouraging us to give to the needy. Two very challenging statements, two very challenging teachings. But when you throw love your enemies into the middle of that, it makes it so much more significant in my eyes. You know, it's easy to, to give to somebody or to go the extra mile when they are your friend, when they haven't wronged you, when their beliefs don't clash with yours. But all of a sudden, when you're challenged to go the extra mile, to give to the needy, when they are seen as your enemy, that just becomes a touch more difficult. Who is our enemy though? (laughs) This word enemy, I would argue, is actually not in our common everyday language. We often talk about how we don't like people. We might even go as far to say how we might hate something or even someone. But enemy? 
I just don't see this used as often in our language today. The original word in the Greek translation is defined as somebody who is openly hostile, implying a personal hate or simply opposing another. German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. He published it just before the war began. And and leading up to this, he, he writes about the enemy. And he says, The enemy was no abstract for these disciples. They knew him too well. Those who cursed them for transgressing the law, hated them for leaving all they had for Jesus' sake, insulted them for their weakness and humility, persecuted them as prospective, dangerous revolutionaries. We all know those people in our lives today who aren't our favorites, who are hostile towards us, who we oppose or who oppose us. None knew that better than Bonhoeffer himself as he grew in Nazi Germany and was opposed by that. With this all in mind, what is it that we can learn? What are we hearing as we engage with the scripture today? Well, firstly, culture may be telling us one thing, but we are called to live countercultural lives. The opening of this passage immediately shows us that this Old Testament command is no longer being followed the way that it was intended. It has been warped. It has been shaped by its current cultural context. And people believe that it's best to love your neighbor, but it's okay to hate your enemy too. I feel that it is not too dissimilar from our culture today. It's so easy for us to love those who are kind to us, to love those who who we like, those that we see that are our neighbor, and we deem it okay to hate those who have wronged us. Whether it's a family member who may have cheated you out of your inheritance, whether it's somebody at your work who's treating you poorly, or maybe even somebody within your very own church context who holds different political views to you, Or dare I say, it holds a different view on the vaccine. The people of God were called to live a life set apart. Jesus came and he personified that. He showed it. He lived it out. Regardless of what our culture says, let us be ones to to live different. As Christ followers, let us do the same. And instead, Let us step away from hating, ignoring, or even marginalizing others. The second thing that I think is really important that we see in today's passage is is God's love is not just for good people. No, God's love is for all. Let me be clear. I'm not saying, nor is this passage saying, that God is all good with the evil that takes place in our world. In fact, God detests evil. May I suggest that God's love is so great and that his hate for evil is so real that his intent to combat and to reconcile the evil that is in this world is through love. It's countercultural. It makes so much more sense in light of God sending his son to die on a cross for you and for me. 
His love so great for those that are, are good, that, that we see are good, those that our culture says are bad, those who will follow him for all the days of their life and those who will reject him forever. God's love is for every single one of us. You know, I've always said and I maintain the fact that being a dad is my favorite thing. But I have to admit, three children under three and a half during this lockdown has really challenged that for me. I love my children with all that I am. And sometimes that is a real struggle, especially during lockdown when before 6 a.m., two mornings in a row, I have to come down and clean up this mess that my children have decided to make with orange food coloring all over the floor or eggs scattered everywhere. And yet, does this change the fact that I love my boys? No, it doesn't change it at all. <laughs> Am I grateful for the church's industrial carpet cleaner? Yes, 100%. But likewise, God made all creation. He loves every single one of us too. Even if we choose to be good or evil, if we choose to accept or reject him, his love is for all. And if this is true as Christ followers, Jesus' love for all must change the way in which we act towards those around us. Thirdly, I find that something that is really significant in today's passage is to, to live a life set apart. We need to love more those than we like. We need to love more than those that are just our friends or our neighbors. I love how Jesus is seemingly so savage in this passage. If you love only those who love you, if you're kind only to your friends, what reward is there in that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. How are you any different? I imagine Jesus saying this in such a sassy tone. Now, I know that Jesus has far more grace than that. But the reality still remains the same. How different are we? Are we really living different lives to the corrupt people that Jesus is talking about? Are we willing to pray for, to do good, to bless those that curse us? Do we feel that we can go beyond the fact that somebody has wronged us and yet we too can still love them? Remembering that if that is true and God's love is for all, that I am called to be like Jesus, then I too have to love the difficult people in this world. I too have to love those that I disagree with. I too have to love my enemy. Finally, uh, I believe that this, this passage allows us or we need to allow our actions to be shaped by the love of our Savior. Let's be realistic. This passage, be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. This finishing statement takes an already challenging and difficult passage and makes it just that much more of a challenge. It's like me having a weightlifting competition with my one-year-old daughter. Except 
You add this statement, be perfect, and it's like giving me steroids and then asking my daughter again to have a a weightlifting competition with me. It's seemingly unattainable. It won't happen. It's more than ridiculous to expect her to win. May I suggest that that is exactly the point. We aren't meant to fulfill this teaching in our own strength. No, the only way to love our enemies is by the grace of God. His strength alone will allow us to do this. We must rely on Him. I remember at high school, we had a coach for our volleyball team and he was like a drill sergeant. He was all about the pursuit of perfection and attaining it. He would yell, he would shout, he would put us down, he would throw balls at us. And he was all trying to get that, 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 that high level of performance and perfection. But it did not drive us as young teenagers towards perfection. Instead, nobody liked him. And everybody began to no longer enjoy playing the sport or training. This isn't the perfection that Jesus is asking for us to attain. One that is too far off. One that shames us when we get things wrong. One that leaves us hurt and discouraged in the process. Jesus is wanting us to rest in his perfection. To let his love do the work through us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer also said in that statement, he said, our behavior must be determined not by the way that others treat us, but by the treatment we ourselves have received from Jesus. It's not about the way that others treat us, but it's the way that Jesus has already treated us. He first loved us so that we too can love others. And that includes our enemies. Let us allow our actions to shape the way that we are loved others through our Savior. Wilkins sums this passage up really nicely. True disciples not only love what God loves and hate what God hates, but they have a renewed heart, a renewed heart of God that enables them to love the world of sinners for whom Jesus will eventually give his life. I love that language. Are you allowing Jesus to renew your heart, enabling you to love your enemy, to those that are around you that you struggle to care for, you struggle to engage with? Allow Jesus to come and renew your heart. Alice Bush wrote a poem entitled, Did Jesus Use a Modem on the Sermon on the Mount? Did Jesus use a sermon, a modem at the Sermon on the Mount? Did he ever try to broadcast facts to send his message out? Did the disciples carry beepers as they went about their route? Did Jesus use a modem on the Sermon on the Mount? how far removed this idea of technology is from Jesus and his disciples in that original sermon. We, love, we live in a very, very different world, culture and context. Yet Jesus' teaching seems to go beyond centuries. It transcends through those contexts. 
We live in a globalized digital age. And you would assume that Jesus and the disciples lived in the exact opposite. Yet somehow this teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, whether it be about murder, adultery, divorce, vengeance, fraud, or hatred, it still reigns true for us here today. I hear young people say, oh, the Bible isn't relevant for me in my life. I just, there's no point in reading it. And when I read through things like the Sermon on the Mount and hear about Jesus' teaching, I can't come to the exact opposite. I can only but come to the exact opposite conclusion. The Bible is infinitely relevant and applicable in our lives today. So too is this concept of loving our neighbor and praying for those that curse us, bless those that hurt us. The key is to allow Jesus to renew our hearts. And from the way that Jesus loves, we too can love others. One writer defines that love as an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person in which I give myself to bring the relationship to God's intended purpose. That can only be done when we have God in us, on our side, we're moving through us. The way to treat other people, even those that we don't like, it's about bringing God's intended purpose into that relationship. So this week, as you go, my challenge to you is who is it that you might deem as your enemy? Somebody who is hostile towards you, who might hate you. They might have opposition against you. And how can you extend love towards them? Have you already allowed Jesus to come in and change your heart, to shift and shape and mold who you are, to then be able to go out and love that person? Let the love of Jesus renew you and let your heart be shaped and molded. May you be able to love those that you come in contact with, no matter who they are. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your love for us. Lord, thank you that you sent your son to show us how great your love is. Despite the fact that we may reject you, Lord, we may oppose you, we may not accept you, Lord, despite the fact that we may think we're good, though we may live evil lives, Lord, you still love us. Lord, help us to allow you to renew our hearts and from that to love others. Lord, let us live just like you, following in your footsteps. Give us eyes to see those who we need to love this week. We thank you for this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.